Welcome to episode 84 of the Ask Achieve show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we'll be discussing squatting below parallel, knee pain while squatting, and big toe pain while lunging. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. What's up, Achievers? This is an episode full of squatting, lunging, and just overall lower body work. Yeah, yeah. cool. So, because no one skips leg day. Ever, never. Ever. Never. Um, Full disclosure, it's still Monday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we decided to film two, to record two podcasts on Monday because I feel like the baby's going to come before Wednesday. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Reese, she's one of our members. She guessed that tomorrow was going to be the date. And I just mm-hmm. feel like Reese puts out such good vibes. Positive that I vibes. I feel like that could be, that could be. It could be, it could be very true. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to go with that. Yeah. So just in case, we decided we would, we would record a bonus episode for you on Monday that will be released on Wednesday, which is when you're probably listening to this and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and go from there. Um, I want to start off with, uh, we got a comment. Um, I put a post up on like a deadlift tutorial on how to deadlift and it was a quick Instagram video 60 seconds on you know some of the key points that we thought people should consider while deadlifting um one person tagged a handle and basically said that this is a page full of people doing deadlifts wrong unfortunately lots of rounded backs and not controlling the weight on the way down they're almost dropping it and so I just took a look at the handle and see what it was all about um and it was a page full of power lifters, like specifically power lifters who are competing in the sport of powerlifting. And, you know, when looking through each, each, each one of these posts, it was like, wow, these are some ridiculously strong people. And they're clearly not just doing it for hobby or recreation. Like this is what they want to do. And so I wrote back and said that, you know, while, while we definitely don't recommend this type of approach and technique for the general population, the deadlifts on this page are actually appropriate for these elite powerlifters. And so because they're actually competing in that specific sport, they're willing to round their backs and be in vulnerable positions to lift the most amount of weight possible. And while we don't think it's great for 99% of people, these lifters have gotten really seriously strong this way and are highly competitive in their sport. And because that's their goal, we respect their methods. And so it's really... um, you know, I wanted to make sure that I phrased it carefully because, you know, he is in agreement with us that the form that we preach for most people is accurate. But I also don't, I also didn't want him to, um, you know, put down a crowd of people who are doing deadlifts for a very specific reason of competing and trying to lift the most amount of weight possible. And so again, just in the name of making sure that we are inclusive of everyone and being empathetic with everyone's approaches and everyone's goals um i just wanted to make sure that i put that out there in response yeah and it's really important to understand that um just with anything and like we see it a lot with with deadlifts specifically because yeah it is like there's so many people like whenever we post about form for deadlifts we we always get a few people who are like well some of the best powerlifters in the world around their backs yeah and we're like okay Yes, <laughs> that is true. But they're also that that is their that's their job. Like their yeah. job is to lift as much weight off the floor as they possibly can. For the most part, people are deadlifting to try to get stronger and protect their backs and to be like a more a better functioning human overall. Yeah, not to lift as much weight as possible off the floor. Totally. If you want to lift as much weight as possible off the floor, your back is probably going to round a little bit. Yeah. Because 
that's just what's going to happen if you have if you have that much weight in your hands. Yeah. Um, but it, it also doesn't mean that that's the way that they train all the time either. Definitely. A lot of times what you'll see is you'll see a max effort deadlift from a professional or an elite powerlifter and their back will round. But if you watch them train, they actually train with really solid form. Totally, yeah. And they keep their back slat because they have to maintain their spinal health in order to continue to exactly yeah the only way to reach this level of competency within a certain lift is to have a lot of practice under your belt developing that lift and the only way to have longevity and practice these lifts enough is by utilizing really good form and technique otherwise if you just use sloppy technique over and over eventually that's gonna get catch up to you and you'll eventually get hurt in the process of doing so and so yeah that, that's 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 basically the gist of it yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah definitely just wanted to point that out especially when you see people you know do things in a very specific way but still being very strong in the process usually that's their primary goal rather than just health and functionality and longevity which we always try to preach as much as possible yeah yeah all right, cool. I like that little intro. Great. Um, so that was bonus. That was bonus topic of discussion. <laughs> now we're get into the first question, which is from Moose underscore H. And they said, hey, hey, just had a question for you guys. I've been having trouble with my squat, so I started using the drills you guys have posted. But I was just wondering if you could tell the specific problem I'm having. Because for me, I can squat deep if I hold a plate out in front of me with my arms out straight. But the moment I try to barbell squat, I can barely even go to 90 degrees. Whereas with the plate, I'm well beyond 90 degrees. Okay, this is a, this is a really super good question. Yeah. Um, and so this is super common. So a couple different things that we're looking for in terms of a person's overall squat pattern. Um, you know, number one, we're always looking for alignment. So ideally we wanna see a neutral spine. We wanna see ideally them trying to get below, um, hip crease below their knee. And we're also trying to get them to get their knees to be tracking their feet. Um, so that's number one, just from an alignment standpoint. Um, the big thing that we're looking for from a secondary standpoint is making sure that they're balanced, meaning that we want their center of mass over their base of support. And the reason why he's having a much easier time squatting down with the plate reaching out in front of him is because it provides a counterbalance as he's coming down. That means that he's better able to leverage that counterbalance and manage his center of mass over his base of support with that specific exercise. But now with the barbell on his back in a back squat, suddenly there's no counterbalance and not even that, there's more weight pulling him backwards. And so now his brain automatically understands that if he tries to get as low as he could with the counterbalance, then more than likely he's gonna be off balance and more than likely he's gonna fall backwards. So his brain is serving as a break to basically keep him safe. And so basically, if you have the mobility to do the squat pattern with the counterbalance in front of you, that means that he has all the mobility and really stability that he needs to perform the movement well. He's just jumping too far past in the progression spectrum towards a back squat too early. Right. And so yeah. what we'd recommend instead is instead of doing now a squat with the plate push reach, maybe he can grab a kettlebell or a dumbbell, hold it in tight to his body and do a goblet squat. And that's where he still has a counterbalance a little bit but he can really manage that um, squat pattern well, and more than likely he can access the amount of mobility that he had um, when he had the counterbalance out in front of him. Right, so it's basically going from having a weight out in front of you to having it in close to you to having it behind you. And yeah. if you go from out in front of you right to behind you, it's like trying to go from like, uh, 
crawling to sprinting without yeah. ever learning how to walk. Like you, you just are, you're not going to be successful. Exactly. And so the, the progression is really funny because we actually have a post out, um, on Instagram that we posted a couple times about like squat progressions. And we mm-hmm. do start with a body weight squat or a squat with a counter counterbalance with a reach, then a goblet squat. Then we go to a double kettlebell front squat, mm-hmm. a zercher squat, a front squat, and then a back squat. And a lot of people question us on the front squat before the back squat. Yes. And they say, but front squats are harder than back squats. Yeah. And so what what we're saying is, we're not necessarily saying front squats are easier than back squats because mm-hmm. for a lot of people, they aren't. They require a little bit more wrist mobility, T-spine mobility. Um, they require a lot more core strength yeah. to hold the bar out in front of you. So it they are a very difficult exercise, but we still like to program them before programming back squats because the weight is actually still a little bit in front of you, which helps you to be able to access a little bit more of that balance that Jason was talking about. Yeah. And it just really follows our progression really nicely because again, we go from uh, the reach forward, then the goblet, then a, uh, then a double kettlebell, then a zercher, which again is a barbell, but still in front of us. And then a front squat, we just elevate it a little bit more, but it's still in front of us. Um, so it just really follows our progression really nicely and gets someone really attuned with how a barbell squat should work. And so by the time they get to a back squat, which is really challenging for most people, um, they're going to feel a lot more balanced and they're going to be able to better manage their center of mass over base of support. Um, but if they just skip a few steps, their body never has the ability to really ingrain that technique. And yeah, the brain will basically be like, okay, you're off balance and I'm going to stop that range of motion short. Otherwise more than likely you're going to tip over. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. cool. But really good question. All right. The next one is from, hi, my name is David. <laughs> um, if I, luckily, I'm glad I read that before because I probably would have been like, himmy, nebby. <laughs> so I'm getting smarter. Dubby. I'm actually reading these before I say them. Um, so he said, have you done any videos on unilateral knee pain while doing any kind of squat variation, possibly due to lack of quad activation or firing or hip issues? I have no idea. Sad face. Thank you. <laughs> Um, yeah, and it's going to be really difficult to figure out what the root cause of what's causing his knee pain um, without doing a formalized assessment. And more than likely, he'd want to get diagnosed by a physical therapist anyway. Um, but anytime anyone has some sort of knee pain issues pop up during squatting um, at Achieve, the big thing that we'll initially do is have them sit back a little bit more, allow their knees to come back a little bit more, and allow their torso to come forward. So it becomes what we call a really hip dominant, hip dominant squat pattern. And so it really takes away a lot of the pressure off the knees and placing it more on the hips, but it's still training the squat pattern. And so we really like to not just forego the exercise altogether immediately, but find ways that they are still successful and challenging themselves without aggravating the, the, the site of pain. And so just by shifting their weight back, oftentimes it really gets rid of their pain. And then over the course of the next few weeks, we can slowly reintroduce their normal squat pattern and they'll probably be fine without us having to do extra work of trying to figure out what the exact cause of the issue was, right? Yeah. The only thing is uh, he's talking about unilateral knee pain, which means he's only having it on one side. Yeah. So he is asking, which can be can be a little bit different from bilateral knee pain where it's like both knees kind of ache when you squat, then yep. we definitely shift people back. With unilateral knee pain, we probably would do the same thing that you just said. Yeah. But also we would look at the the form from the back um, and make yep. sure that they weren't 
shifting their hips to one side yeah. as they lower down into the squat because that is something that can happen. Yeah. And again, we don't necessarily know why. It could be hip structure. Like he was saying, it could be hip structure. It could be a lack of one, one leg firing or being a little bit weaker. Yeah. Or, For example, if you're right ankle is a little bit more restricted yeah. your body might shy away from that if you've or, had a past injury yeah your body might naturally shy away from that so there are plenty of reasons why it could shift um we're going to talk about cook band uh yeah moves. yeah, yeah. Cool. so when when you're seeing a shift if you're noticing that as you're lowering down into the squat you shift to one side so say you're lowering down and your hips shift over to the left and you put and then you're having some left knee pain because you're putting all your weight on your left knee what we would actually do is try to repattern the squat by using a little bit of um, resistance with a band that's gonna actually pull you further into that dysfunctional pattern. So we're gonna actually put a band around your waist and we're gonna pull you to the left. So we're gonna actually pull you further into that incorrect quote unquote pattern that you're doing so that your body actually reacts by working against it. And it will react by actually coming more to the center and we wouldn't do this with a barbell on your back we would do this just with yeah. a body weight squat but just start to repattern your squat to get your brain to understand where neutral is because right now your brain thinks that you're lowering down and you think you're going straight down but somebody else is seeing or you might see in the mirror that you're shifting over to one side yeah it's a technique called reactive neuromuscular training it's called rnt and basically you yeah your brain doesn't realize what's really happening until you really magnify the situation and once it really understands oh wow, I'm really shifting over to the left here. Let me try to push against the feedback of the band and center myself a little bit more. And so it really just gives your brain a lot of feedback to work with. Yeah, so that would be something, if it's unilateral, I would look out for any kind of shift and, and that could be one way that you address it without having to wonder why it's happening. Yeah. Because once you go down that rabbit hole, you can start to put a bunch of, like, you're, you can basically just start to, to try all these fixes that might not be actually fixing the problem. Mm -hmm. um, it's like putting band-aids on, actually, I don't know. I have no, I have no analogy. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you guys know what we're you saying. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's like, yeah, just basically you're just kind of barking up the wrong tree. Yeah. 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 We'll use a different phrase. Let's just keep throwing yeah. phrases out there until <laughs> one of them actually makes sense. Um, and then I guess beyond that point, um, if that isn't really addressing the issue, there might be a true like strength and balance going yeah. on. And if that's the case, then we might do some actual unilateral work. Again, more than likely trying to keep that knee a little bit further back, yeah. um, ideally stacked over the ankle to make sure that we don't um, trigger um, excess knee pain while we're going through this unilateral, unilateral work. Um, but yeah, we do want to make sure that relatively speaking, um, the person is able to um, develop and demonstrate leg strength uh, relatively equally on both sides. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then finally, if that still doesn't you know, solve anything, then we'll definitely refer out to a physical therapist to make sure that they can dig a little bit deeper into what's actually happening. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. <laughs> uh, then third question is from, are you mad fit? <laughs> um, and they said, oh, wow, his name is Jason Parks. Yeah, his name yeah. is almost your name. Um, <laughs> he said he had a fitness question about toes. I can't lunge barefoot. My big toe hurts when I try to put that much flexion on it. I feel like shoes is a temporary fix to an underlying problem. Any helpful hints? Um, this is actually relatively common. Um, basically, what's happening is as Jason is stepping back into a lunge, What's happening here is ideally your big toe should be flexing, or sorry, it should be extending. It should be extending as he steps back. 
and it, rel it should be relatively comfortable as he steps backwards um, because your big toe ideally should be able to extend, I think about 20 degrees or so. Don't quote me on that, but it should, it should extend. The problem is if it's stiff and is lacking the ability to extend, then compensations can take place. Like your foot can spin out a little bit or it's just gonna really hurt. It's just gonna get really irritated over time. And this is why you see a lot of times like uh, football players or basketball players like not being able to play for weeks at a time because of turf toe. And it like sounds so like silly, but if you think about it, like every time you walk, you run, sprint, you're placing a lot of pressure on that big toe. And if you're not able to propel yourself off that big toe, uh, because of pain, it's just going to hurt a lot. Yeah. Um, and so this is a this is a common thing. Um, but basically, what I would say for this person is to first start off with doing, if they have the strength, doing rear foot elevated split squats. Would you say the same thing? Yeah, just so that they can continue to train the lunge pattern, mm -hmm. um, but with your back foot up on a bench with your toes um, pointed so that you're not putting any... Uh, is that what you're talking Yes, exactly. Yep. Yeah, so that you're not actually causing any discomfort in that toe whatsoever. The toe is just relaxed and you have your, basically the top of your ankle supported on a bench. Mm -hmm. um, but then you're still working that lunging pattern, but then you also will want to work on some big toe mobility as you're doing that, which I'm sure that's yeah, what exactly. you're getting to next. Um, yeah, and just going back to what you just said, yeah, we're, like the whole theme of the ep episode is making sure you don't just totally stop what you're doing because there is pain, but finding ways to be successful within a movement pattern that you're already trying to work yeah. um, and just trying to slightly modify the exercise to work around it. Because the, the, the last thing that we want is for you to just totally stop exercising because of it, right? Or stop exercising that movement pattern altogether because of it. And so rear foot elevated split squats are gonna still work that pattern while not placing any excess pressure on that big toe. But in the meantime, you can still perform, it's gonna sound silly, but perform mobilizations on your big toe. And so- It really uh, helps if you have a husband who cares so much about your big toe <laughs> mobility that he does this while you're sitting on the couch. <laughs> That's what Jason does to me. He's very concerned about my slight lack of big toe mobility, yeah. but he will sometimes just pull off my hey, toes. Hey, hey, I, I could foresee some turf toe issues happening, so I wanna make sure that, I, that doesn't happen. I appreciate yeah. it. I feel like that's just pure love right there. <laughs> and so number one, what you can do is just address things from a passive mobility standpoint. So literally just grabbing your toe and pulling it straight back and performing passive holds of 60 seconds to um, 120 seconds, a minute to two minutes long um, at a time and maybe perform that daily. And then other things that you can do is actually use a PNF type pattern where basically you um, pull your toe back just slightly. And then from there, what you wanna do is while pulling back on the toe, I want your toe to push back against your hand. And so basically you're creating a stalemate situation where the toe isn't moving, but there's a lot of tension and force happening at that joint. And you're holding it for about six seconds. After that six second period, uh, let go of the resistance from your toe and let the you let your hand win basically. And you you pull your toe a little bit further back. And then you repeat the process. You push back into the hand, six seconds, relax, let the hand win for about 10 seconds, push against it and you get the idea. And basically with this sort of contract, relax, PNF method, you're basically telling your brain, hey, I've got control and I can display strength and power with my toe in this position, so why don't you just give me this mobility? <laughs> That's basically what you're telling it. And as long as you do it consistently, it should help out over time. The only issue is if there's some sort of like 
structural stuff going on, whether it's like bone spurs or some like arthritis or whatever might be going on in that joint. And really anything that you do isn't going to really affect it. And you need to go see a physical therapist to maybe perform some joint distraction or some manipulations or more specialized techniques that you can do to yourself um, to rectify the situation. But I would at least try that for a couple weeks and just see if it helps it out, if your mobility starts to improve over time. Um, and definitely don't go jumping right back into like a heavy reverse lunge after weeks and after your mobility improves. You definitely wanna be very slowly introduce uh, lunges back in and making sure that you don't overload the pattern too much because then it'll just get irritated again. Yeah, and I I would say one more drill that you can do that's a little more passive um, that you don't have to like use your hands for is just um, like rocking. So starting on all fours and in a quadruped position and rocking your hips back to your heels with your toes tucked with yeah. being, being barefoot. So that would that would start the process of getting gaining a little bit of mobility. So you rock forward and your toes don't have to be as extended, and then you rock your hips back to your heels and your toes have to extend a little further. Yeah. So it's a little gentler of a pattern where you're not actually loading your big toe with anything, but you're working that range of motion slowly. Eventually you can sit back on your heels and just stay there for a little while mm -hmm. with your hands on the ground. Eventually you can take your hands off the ground and try to sit on your heels. Totally. That is like for me, because I do have slightly limited toe <laughs> mobility, that one's like just on the verge of painful where I can do it, but it's like a little too much. So yeah. you want to find that, that area where you're working mobility, but not to the point where you're creating any pain. Um, because once you create pain, your body's going to put up those like stop signals and basically you're not going to be able to improve your mobility because you're in pain. So your body locks up. Yeah. Um, so find that, find that fine line. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, it's actually funny. We have kind of like different ways that we present with mobility in our foot and like toes basically. And so for me, I can hang out in that position for quite a while where my big toe is extended and I'm on my heels like that and it feels totally fine. Um, I feel a lot more pressure in like when, when we have yoga classes together where when my foot is totally plantar flex, so mm -hmm. it's flipped the other way. And it seems like you have a much easier time dealing with that I could with, sit your, there forever. with your gymnastics background and stuff like that. Right. So, um, you know, you want to make sure that you can demonstrate mobility in all sorts of directions and be able to hold these positions. Um, but yeah, like, but yeah, go, go at a slow pace. Don't try to rush it. You really just can't rush mobility. Um, yeah. especially at a like very specific joint like that. So um, hopefully all of those drills combined will uh, will start to help you out. Yeah, cool. Cool. Well, that was a, a bit of a quick one today, but we covered covered the the lower body day. So hopefully nobody skips leg day now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And those are the answers that we had to your lower body burning questions for for today. Um, thank you so much for submitting them. And if you have any more questions, feel free to send us a DM uh, on Instagram at achievefitnessboston.com. Just Achieve Fitness Boston. <laughs> oh man, here we go again. Uh, send us a DM at Achieve Fitness Boston on Instagram. If you are a fan of the podcast, we would love an iTunes review. So that would be super, super helpful if you wouldn't mind doing that. And until next time, peace, love, and, and muscles. muscles.